Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, producer Jess jumping on the top of the show to let you know that this episode was recorded a few weeks ago. And like Tracy says on the episode, a day in crypto is like a month in the real world. Also, a reminder that nothing in this episode is advice. Mark and Tracy have no idea what your personal finances look like. This is purely a chance for you to think about what crypto means for your business. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Crypto this, crypto that, it's been talked about a lot, but what's the big deal? What is the deal? Why should I be adding crypto to my investment portfolio? Why is it the future, if at all? What the hell is DeFi and ICOs and, by the way, that term that gets used all the time, blockchain? Tracy Plowman is the COO, that's the Chief Operating Officer of a business called Bamboo. Now, that's an app that helps people get access to digital currencies and they do it with their spare change. Tracy is also the co-host of the podcast called Crypto Curious, which is your answer to explaining complex topics in an easy-to-understand format. Now, when Tracy started working at Bamboo, very green to it all, she thought it'd be a good idea to ask for her first month's wage to be paid into a newly listed coin, which didn't really work out that well for her. Despite Tracy's first entry into the crypto space being a mistake, she was hooked and immersed in this new world. So our chat today is a chance for you to move through the world of crypto. As a novice, the new possibilities in the digital world for all entrepreneurs. And it is about the future. Or should I say, maybe it's about the future. So let's get into it. Tracy Plowman, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you for having me. Uh, all the way from Perth. All the way from Perth. They released you. <laughs> they did. We're allowed out of the state. I'm so curious. <laughs> Everyone loves that McGowan dude. Like, uh, how, how's it work? Like, oh. I mean, you, you're travel, you know, you, you couldn't travel, but now you can travel. How do you feel about that? Look, I think we were all living in a bubble. We were just so happy that we could get on with life and, and do things our way there. I think we kind of got a little bit complacent. I think we were all, um, you know, we were just so happy to get on with it. We we didn't realise that there was life going on outside of Perth. I think so for a while we were like, yep, he's done the right thing by us, you know, he's keeping us safe. And then as time went on we were like, you know, what is happening out there? Are we allowed out? You know, what's going on? So look, I don't, I don't want to be political. I yeah, don't, you know, I don't want to say what you know my opinions too much. But you know, hey, it, it worked well so far. But I'm happy that we're allowed out, and I think we've we've done pretty well. We've done pretty well. So you you got a couple of businesses, but you got a podcast. What's yes. your podcast called? My podcast is Crypto Curious. So we launched the podcast in November last year. So we're coming up on around about thirty episodes now. Was that a COVID decision? 
No, it wasn't a COVID decision. It was more of a decision because there wasn't enough information out there around crypto. There wasn't enough solid information to tell people what they needed to hear. When did Tracy Plowman first become curious about crypto? Yeah, look, my crypto story starts late 2017 ran into some friends that I went to school with and they were starting up one of Australia's first digital funds at the time, uh, digital capital management, and they were looking uh, to bring someone on to do the PR and marketing for the company. So they were talking to me about doing this role for the fund uh, early 2018 and they were then explaining to me what cryptocurrency was and Bitcoin and the blockchain. So that took a couple of conversations. So if you, Mark, think about the first time someone explained Bitcoin and cryptocurrency or the blockchain to you. And I remember these two brothers who I went to school with who I trusted and knew very well explaining these concepts to me. And it took quite a few conversations, I have to say, because it is a really complicated subject. It really is. But I, I I was hooked because... They were telling me these things. A lot of these words made absolutely no sense to me. But what I was hearing was about these gains that they were making. I think that was resonating a little bit. They were telling me about these, you know, these gains, this money that was being made. But in there they were talking about concepts and things. that Parts of, the, parts of it were landing with me but a lot of it wasn't. Took the role that they offered me with the company. I was hook, line and sinker from then they say a day in crypto is like a month in the real world. I would, it's probably more. So that was four or five years ago and a lot's happened. But again, I take it back to those first few conversations where I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what they were talking about half the time. And, you know, I put it to you, when you first heard about Bitcoin, how many conversations did it take before you actually knew what it was? Heaps, heaps. <laughs> and I had to keep researching it and, uh, and asking different people about it mm. and most people didn't know about it. When you say day in crypto is like a month in any other environment, what do you mean by that? Because it moves so quickly. So many things happen and it changes and there's so much development. It's a hotbed of ideas. It moves so quickly. You have to keep on top of what's happening, what's changing. And I think that's also what excites so many people too. When someone has an, a conversation with me and is explaining something, that I don't understand. I'll pick one or two things that they say that I'll go, right, I'm going to go back and research that word later. When I was having these conversations at the beginning, there were too many words. There were literally too it's many. Got, it has its own language is what it's, you're saying. It has, to, it has its own language and there's a lot of jargon terms too. So it's, it's actually very different to, you know, the financial world, the traditional financial world because the traditional financial world, as you would know, has all their own jargon terms and the crypto world has a completely new set of jargon terms that we're all trying to get our head around. But that also kind of excited me as well because in the in traditional finance financial world, it is very masculine and I've worked in a lot of different masculine industries before this and I felt my, I found myself kind of here I go again in another masculine industry that I've thrown myself into. But this one was one where I could ask a lot of questions because even the men in the industry were asking a lot of questions because all of these words, everyone didn't understand these words. So we were all asking a lot of questions. So I was not the only one kind of, what is, explain that again? What does that mean? So I kind of loved the fact that we were all in here. We were all learning and it wasn't just me asking these questions. So I loved it. 
I loved it and I got right in the thick of it there and it was the early days and I was doing it with this fund that was one of the first funds in Australia and because it was 2017, 2018, that was that ICO boom. There was so much happening. There was so much innovation. All these um, unusual concepts were coming through. To be honest, 99% of them now are all bust, but there were some amazing things that came through on the desks of these guys. And I felt like I was this kind of, you know, imposter side kind of person sitting there taking advantage, seeing this. And eventually I was kind of realising that, you know what, I'm here on merit. These guys don't necessarily have any real reason to be here either. I'm going to really jump on board this and, and get involved also. And it was exciting. And the things that we were able to see um, and get involved in were pretty amazing. And bamboo was one of those things. Give me an example of what you could see though. For me, what was exciting, obviously I mentioned that when I first heard about this, there was obviously the the appeal of the, the the gains that people were making. People were making a lot of money when I first heard about it. And then, then there was very quickly a crash and people were losing a lot of money. So a lot of it, people prick their ears up when they hear about, you know, the gains that there are to be had. But for me, what really got me excited was the opportunity. And I think that's what's still here and what still gets me excited today is the opportunity that's there for the average person today because the average person right now is really being squeezed and whether that's by interest rates or asset prices, asset prices, everything that's going on in, in the world right now as it stands in 2022, the average person is being squeezed. This offers us an opportunity to, to build wealth for the future. This is a real opportunity for generational wealth. When we think back for my parents, you finished school, you built a house or you bought some land as my parents did. Now, you know, the average person to, to buy a house, it's half a million dollars or more. God knows what it'll be when my kids want to do it. So that dream's kind of gone. So what have we got? So I really feel like this is a real opportunity done right. You know, you've still got to do your research. You know, you don't go put everything in there. You invest what you can afford or you invest a certain percentage of your portfolio. You still need to research and do it the right way. But what we've got now is a real opportunity to grow your wealth. So that's what excites me about crypto. I'm not saying, you know, go and invest in Dogecoin and, and those kind of things because there's some scams out there, absolutely, and there's, but there's some scams in traditional finance as well. But crypto is a really interesting opportunity right now for the average investor to really get ahead because there is a generational technology kind of skip that's happening right now. There's all of these new startups that are happening uh, and I think if we pick the right horse, there's opportunities as well. Cryptocurrency is a currency just like any other currency. It's just an asset class. It's an, exactly. it's just an asset class yep. but it's what underpins it is some pretty unusual stuff, technology or the software technology or the that it runs on, mm-hmm. which is blockchain, is yep. different to everything else but that's sort of around security and safety, et cetera, and uh, making sure title's right and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. traceability. But crypto is still basically just another asset class, but it's sort of affordable. That's exactly right because it has made it accessible to the everyday person. And what's made it accessible too is, you know, apps like Bamboo and exchanges. It make, the onboarding process has got easier for these people to jump on and do it. So you don't need to have a minimum spend. You don't need to have, you know, five, $500 minimum. You don't need to be able to have a, you don't have to set up a concept account. You know, it's a lot easier for people to jump on. You don't have to buy one whole Bitcoin, which is people don't have. 50 grand. Uh, yeah, it's fractional. So you can buy a certain amount. Yeah. It's a lot easier. 
you know, sticks a thumb up to traditional systems where you decentralise what they call the DeFi market so you, you can move away from government systems. It's actually very traceable. Well, you know, that's the whole point of it. Yeah, it's very traceable. I can actually see yeah. how much you've got in your wallet. Exactly. But you touched on a good point, which is flying in the face of these big banks and crypto in a way is is helping the unbanked of the world. And I, and that's another reason that it, it speaks to kind of the underdog supporter in me, you know. I'm a free docker supporter. It's a hard job, but I, I'm the underdog supporter. It's going to help those people out there. Half the world, I think, is, is unbanked. They have no access to banking. You know, they've got no access to, you know, to look after their own financial wealth uh, and their government doesn't allow them to do so. You can have um, cryptocurrency banking transactions, so to speak, a lot of these countries don't have banking systems. That's right. So they have people, what you call unbanked, people yeah. who can't transact other than with cash. Exactly. And, and that's very scary. Yeah. I mean, you look at El Salvador. I mean, that's what they went yeah. that way because yeah. they, you know, they had a whole, they went that way because there was a whole underground society there that were just, you know, transacting with They with went Bitcoin. the cryptocurrency way. They adopted Bitcoin. Bitcoin. The El Salvador president, you know, he's quite young and he's a little bit groovy and he saw that was kind of the way that the whole underground group of people were going using Bitcoin to transact, which is funny because now, you know, I, don't, I would never pay for any of my Bitcoin for a coffee and transact with it. It's You know, it's kind of taboo a little bit. You don't use your Bitcoin. You kind of hodl a bit more like gold 2.0 really. That's the way that they went because that worked for them. Because like you said, you, you'd pay for your fuel and you'd have to have a bag of cash there because the money was, you know, so devalued. But going back to what I was saying about the fact that it is, it lends itself to help these nations to, you know, be able to, to, to bring them to the forefront, to be able to let them have an opportunity to, to build their wealth or at least protect what wealth they have there. That's sort of an altruistic philosophical bent of yours. I mean, the underdog can be banked. I get that. I like the anti-authority not having to use the government's banking system. Oh, absolutely. Um, to get a transaction. And by the way, it's a lot quicker on using a cryptocurrency should mm-hmm. you're in the right places, but it's a lot quicker. It's probably just as safe. That's at the margin because, you know, like some people don't care if they wait three days before they pay somebody mm. through the banking system, especially if they're sending money overseas. I mean, I guess it doesn't breach the $10,000 rule, like, you know. Which is absolutely You know, Austrack. So mm-hmm. Austrack's not all over mm-hmm. crypto, mm-hmm. although it won't be, won't be long before they are mm-hmm. because it's an obvious one. There's a lot of innovation happening. You know, you would have heard of DeFi, obviously, which is the decentralised finance. There's a lot of great stuff happening there. You know, there's $43 billion locked up in DeFi right now. That is just astronomical. And, you know, it's being built out. There's amazing things happening and being built out in that DeFi economy. You've obviously got the NFT space, which is... You know, I can't even, you know, that's just mind-blowing what's happening there. Some of that makes absolute sense. Some of it is complete nonsense to me. I saw the dude who bought the first tweet. Tweet, yeah. From. He lost his money on that one. Well, he didn't lose it. He didn't sell it. He he, didn't sell it, no. But he didn't get a bid for it. He bought Jack Dorsey's tweet, I think. For 2.9 million or something and he put it up for sale. I don't know if he actually put it up for sale, but he got an offer of like 16,000 or something. Yeah, he did. Um, He didn't sell it. He didn't sell it, no. Um, But but that's interesting. Didn't Um, quite get what he wanted. Yeah, Um, I don't understand why they're so popular. But but I, I guess what you're saying there, though, in terms of it being exciting, is a cryptocurrency. See, the way I'm getting that it. Underpins I, it underpins all of that. It underpins it. So Ethereum, which is. My favourite. Yeah, Ethereum is the sort of. Web 3.0. Uh, system that allows these NFTs the new, to survive. Yes. There are others. Ethereum is the largest. Mm-hmm. But. You know your stuff. Uh, You've got it down. Uh, it feels like to me though a little bit. It sounds terrible. You said it before though. The last three years has sort of nearly made cryptocurrency a bit boring. Because. Oh. 
you Did know, I because say it's boring? No, no, you didn't say it, but <laughs> but things have moved so quickly. Yeah, they move so quickly. I mean, it's a bit like so the gross respect to Facebook and Instagram. It doesn't take long before TikTok sort of gathers. But there will always be something new. There yeah, will yeah. always be something new. In crypto or Absolutely. there's going to be something new to displace crypto? Oh, gosh, I think we've moved so quick on this. This company, I don't think we anything will replace crypto. I think the, the world's so big here. Like what could possibly replace crypto? I thought that about MySpace So when um, Ruben Murdoch paid $500 million for it and it's now worth MySpace. What's MySpace? There you go. Yeah, no, I, I, I recall, geez. That, but that, was, that was a flash in the pan. That got replaced so quickly. That was, that was there and gone within 12 months. Yeah, well, but still, mm. the, is, is crypto... At risk, no. The, the, the cryptocurrencies. Oh, well, what, what no. like you mentioned, Dogecoin. You see Elon Musk talking about Dogecoin, and then he, you know, he's a big owner of it, and he sort of plays with it. I think he just does it for. It, it, if I was to draw an image of what I think is going on with Dogecoin, which, 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 interesting enough, was sort of created by an Australian, um, is that I sort of see a big cat with a small bit of prey, and mm-hmm. I see Elon Musk is the big cat, and he just. With doesn't, the doesn't kill the yeah, it doesn't kill the prey, just sort of Flicking swipes it every now and then and just oh, look, see where it can run. He's very premeditated. He knows what he's doing. Doge has done much better than I ever would have thought it would do. Um But why? Because he's he's cultivated a cult following with it. Yeah, you know? but it's not a fundamental no, reason. I know, it's not at all. It, it annoys me, but there's no utility to it. There's is that nothing. dangerous? Then? It is a little bit dangerous. Some will fail, you know, not probably 95% of the coins that are there around, you know, on exchanges now will be gone in another, you know, five years. Why will they fail? What, what, what Because makes, there's what no real it? utility to them. When you talk about what will fail, some of these other coins out there are trying to replace something, like I said, and they won't get there and others will, but some do have a place. And when you talk about cryptocurrency as a whole in the blockchain, no, it won't fade away to nothing because this is the new form of the way that we interact with money. Fiat won't be around. And I say that with such conviction too because the banks are taking this on now, Goldman Sachs. You know, for four years ago, all the headlines were crypto's a scam, you know, Goldman Sachs says. You know, crypto um, is run by drug lords. Crypto down to zero. 2020 they were saying Goldman Sachs is taking a good look at crypto and then late last year they're saying we're going to offer some crypto to our customers. And then at the start of this year they're saying be an option as well as gold. And now they're doing, you know, just last month offering it over the counter to their clients. So that's a real backflip that they've done in the last four years. And now Commonwealth Bank in November last year offering it to their clients. Well, they offer a platform. Yep. Okay, now we've got the ETFs coming. On top of that, you've got central bank digital currencies, which is probably the pin in the hat on everything that I've just said, is the central bank digital currencies that all the nations in the world are looking at. You know, there's been a few smaller ones that have actually enacted them and using them now. Bank of England, they've done a huge white paper on them that they looked at last year. I don't think they'll enact on them just yet. Just Australia, we're looking at doing them now through trade with Singapore and South Africa and New Zealand and looking at how that would work. We will use central bank digital currencies. That so will- we centralise the DeFi? Well, it'll be different to DeFi. It'll be more, but we will use it, yes. That's the way it will go. Okay, but they're trying to work out how that looks because there's two different ways to do that. This is part I'm really curious about. Just mm. go, we'll go to the break. Let's come back and talk about this because I see it perhaps as a risk 
that central banks do build their own currencies, mm. people then would prefer to invest in a centralized currency, cryptocurrency that operates on the blockchain, mm-hmm. which is therefore avoids the banking system, mm-hmm. the banks and the banking system. Therefore, some of the cryptocurrencies that other people have been investing in is investing in, like mm-hmm. Bitcoin, for, for example, may mm-hmm. well be at risk. But I want to come back and talk okay. about that because that conversation around risk is one that needs to be had and one we haven't had yet. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, I'm back here with Tracy Plowman. We're talking about all things um, digital currency, otherwise known as crypto. Um, and I'd love to know where the name crypto came from, but it sounds like kryptonite. But um, <laughs> just in terms of risk, most people have not invested in any form of cryptocurrency or a digital currency because they perceive risk because of the volatility. And, of course, the volatility is hard to explain what causes it to go up and what causes it to go down. I mean, obviously it's demand. It's hard to explain why de- where demand comes from and where and why it um, diminishes at certain times. It's not like gold. Gold goes up by ten bucks or twenty bucks. It comes back to, by thirty dollars. I've been I've been watching gold during this whole Ukraine war mm. period, and it's gone up like eighty dollars or something like that. But it's which is a good return if you've got enough of it. And that's what happens in times of war, isn't yeah, it? People yeah, because go, it's a people it's go like, to the strong assets. They go to the standard mm-hmm. as opposed to the currency, and then they a lot of times they go to the quality currency, which is the US dollar, which has you know been enjoying a pretty good increase over the period. Mm-hmm. But what is the risk associated with Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin, for example? Well, you've just mentioned the volatility, and that. <sighs> is very obvious in cryptocurrency and it's the same with any of the cryptocurrencies. They're at risk of any of that volatility. That, that's only risk to me if I have to sell during the volatile period, well, the, no, that you, downward period. Yeah. So if I invest in it with a sort of a 10-year horizon in my mind, then I can sell it when it's at its highest because yeah. it's where you're trying to pick markets. Well, no, you don't want to try and pick. You want to invest and hold. Yeah. That would be my strategy. You want yeah. to invest, you want to pick, you want to hold, and you want to pick those blue chips. You want to pick those top tiers. So you want yeah. to pick your Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, and you want to invest in those and you want to hold. Yeah, just and hold. I, mean, I would look at your risks right now, you know, legislation that may well, come in. Well, systemic risk. Yes. So is, it, is it, what are the systemic risks that might confront 
cryptocurrencies. Unforeseen legislation. Who knows what legislation will come in? If we look back at the volatility, say over the last five years, we call it, and it's another jargon term, is FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. And every time there's FUD in the market, we see a drop. And you can see the correlation. If you look at the the big 70 80% swings that we've seen in the last few years, a few of those you'd put a dot in there and it's China bans Bitcoin. You know, And the last time they did it, there was probably a 10% dip because it meant nothing. Because even when you ban Bitcoin, you can't necessarily ban Bitcoin unless you ban the internet because you've got access to it. But what it meant in China and why it was those big dips was because that's where Bitcoin was being mined and you need Bitcoin mining to continue the network running. Okay, so what happened last time was all those miners have moved elsewhere in the world and they've set up their their different hubs elsewhere. Every time FUD happens, every time something happens, we get those volatility and those moves. So those have become less important. But what we spoke, spoke about with regulation, I just don't see banning crypto as being able to kill crypto. Like it will definitely make it harder because if they ban crypto, they're banning exchanges. So here in Australia, for example, you're onboarding, you know, you're downloading an app like Bamboo. That's the easiest way for you to jump on and buy crypto right now or jump onto an exchange. So if you've got no access to those apps, you can't buy your crypto. So your onboarding is gone. But there's still other ways. But why would they do it anyway? You tell me, why would they want to ban it? lobbies from the banking system because the banks are worried that um, they're going to go, everyone's going to move away from the banking system. So that would, can you imagine the headline? Can you imagine the general public hearing that? No, but they wouldn't hear it. It'd just be bank lobbies. Exactly. Putting it to the government, this is a dangerous thing. You've got to get rid of it. I think that that's probably already happened. I'm sure that that's probably already happened behind closed closed doors before. Uh, and I think that they've probably realised that that's it's a little bit too little too late. I think the horse has bolted for that. I think that they're realising that they kind of have to to join them here. To be I think part of it. To be part of it. Look, and as a purist, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, it rose from the ashes of the 2008, you know, global financial crisis. It was something to offer people as a, an alternative. It was a new way of peer-to-peer transfer of cash, an option. We wanted to get rid of the banking system because they'd stomped on the little man one last time. We wanted something else. What can we do? How can we solve this transfer peer-to-peer cash? Fast forward to where we are now, Bitcoin's not really used, you know, as it was intended. It's kind of, it's bigger than Ben-Hur. It's gone on to be all these different things. What we have now is is DeFi, you know, decentralised finance here. And like I mentioned, there's $43 billion locked up in this decentralised finance, which is one of the greatest things that's come out of this. I think the banks have seen that and I think that they can see the way that they can make that work for them. What happened in the US with Joe Biden and what he's done over there saying that they will also looking into their central bank digital currencies, which will happen there. Does that mean though that the governments will launch their own digital currency as a sort of like call it as a competitor to Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever? Does that sort of create a situation where people think, hang on, this is a government, this is run by the government? Well, look, I can't wait to see what the narrative is. It's going to be really interesting, the narrative that they spin when they bring this out. We've seen them do it over there. We've got the safe one here, you know. Yeah. We've done it now. We've done it for the people and we're doing it the safe way. Yeah, that'll be the story. Of course it will be the and story. So then you want your hedge though. You, you, you'll, you'll do it that way, but you'll still want to hedge against it this way because then comes the conversation that's a little bit awkward and a little bit unsettling for us to have right now, which is if we do go down that central bank digital currency path, 
we do have a two-tier currency system at some point and we do switch over to having everything central bank digital currency that our taxes are paid through there. And if you're a merchant, you know, everything is, it's very convenient. You know, everything's done through one system. What's to say that, you know, me flying to Sydney or me flying elsewhere, I haven't paid my taxes, can't get on the plane, my passport's turned off or my money is turned off. There's, there's all of those red flags. It's, you know, it's all very communist, but those are the things that we need to consider too for the future when it comes to central bank digital currencies. That but we won't have any power because they'll just do it. There will be people who will use it because they'll be the people who do pay the taxes and they haven't got no worries. People like my dad, he would just say, oh, well, that's a quick transfer, it's cheaper, I'll use the digital the digital currency mm. that the Australian government's launched. I mean, maybe what you're going to have, perhaps, um, which is trying to be futurist here, but um, you're going to have like two tiers of digital payments. There will be, yeah. Yep. And, and, and maybe the banking system, a bit like cash, has just gone out of, you, you know, you, you try and put cash in a bank. Try and find a bank that's open and put to deposit cash. Yep. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, or try and f- find a bank that's open to withdraw cash. Yeah. That's I mean, unless you go to the ATM and that's got a limit on it, mm-hmm. you can't withdraw cash. Mm. I mean, but there are some people still need to be paid in cash. I mean, Absolutely, I have workers yeah. at my farms that I have to they have to get, they get paid in cash. It'll have to be a two-tier economy. Because I think it's too seductive for the, for the government's not to get into. They're 100%. But I do welcome some legislation, though, that can put away a lot of this other, you know, a lot of this other stuff that's there that doesn't need to be there. For example, there's a lot of exchanges out there that you can jump onto and you can can do a lot of crypto exchanging without any experience. You can leverage up to the nines and you can lose a lot of money. I think there needs to be a lot more legislation around those type of things. And in the industry in the whole, I think we need to have a good look at it. Senator Bragg, we interviewed him on the podcast not long ago. He's very big on crypto in general in Australia and making this a hub and bringing the industry as a whole to the forefront, making sure that we're on the cutting edge and that we are making sure that we've got all all the jobs stay here. Because a lot of industries are, are moving away from Australia because of the fact that we weren't crypto friendly. Um, but he's really pushing to make sure that we are blockchain and crypto friendly. So there are some currencies which are pegged to the US dollar, trying to give it a bit more stability in terms of um, its volatility, hedged to the US dollar. Um, the thing that makes me nervous is, I mean, I can see trends happening in terms of asset classes. Mm-hmm. i got time to get in or get out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty good at picking a trend. But you can't pick a trend in uh, cryptos because like, it literally happens overnight and it doesn't fall by 1% mm. or a half a percent. Mm. It falls by 60%. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. and if for some reason. Very it, hard to time the market. Yeah, you, Well, you can't. You, you can't get time in and time you out. You just can't. I mean, unless you're Elon Musk and you're the one causing the fall oh, of the rise. Yeah. And if you want to sell for some reason, you, you're mm. potentially in trouble. And at any one time you might think to yourself, shit, is this the, is this the end of this particular currency, this particular digital currency, Dogecoin, for example? Uh, you know, it's it's pretty nerve-wracking because uh, I have this vision of some of these things just disappearing. I and mean, they do disappear, some of these Absolutely. currencies. Absolutely. They just I've, disappear. I plenty and, disappear on me. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what, what, what it's just sort of yeah. disappeared into. It's like a, a wonga bird. You know what a wonga bird is? It flies up its own ass. Okay. And it just Okay. It's there and it's gone. And I thought, this is a Wonga Bird. A Wonga Bird. Okay, I'm taking that back to the guys on the podcast, Wonga Bird, Bird, because we call them, you're a bag holder, which means you're left holding the bags of nothing. Well, Wonga Wonga Bird just goes around in a circle, so it eventually goes up its own ass and it just disappears. Okay. You can imagine that in a physics sense. But I have to say, I I have stayed in things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, particularly Ethereum. So do you trade on fundamentals? Is that, so it sounds like you're. The only fundamental I can find for those two, Bitcoin is, as you said, it's limited. 
um, it's it's constrained in that they're not printing more. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with Bitcoin, it was the first. So generally speaking, the first can do better than everybody else because it's got the biggest mm-hmm. reputation. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of Ethereum, the thing I like about Ether is that it's sort of the 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 uh, backdrop to NFTs, and it yeah. provides a lot of the. Um, platforms for all these other businesses. It is the businesses. platform, yeah. It'll yeah. be Web3. Yeah. 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 So it's got something else going for it. It's got it's a, not really a fundamental but it's got something else going for it. It's also it, that first mover advantage too. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. Got, it's got a lot of momentum. It does. In, yeah, the, yeah. in the back end. It's the darling. They're, they're fundamentals. Yeah. But they're sort of slippery ones. They're not, they're not real fundamentals. I mean they're not like – global demand for it or anything like that, like stuff you would get for the US dollar for argument's sake. You need to look at the different markets within the sector. So you've got your DeFi, you know, which did really well two years ago and it's pulled away again, but that's fine because when it pulled away and, it, you know, the NFTs went that way, with the DeFi, they were all bubbling away, they are all building out their their different systems and they were all kind of taking that money that they had that these big that these companies had made and they're building out their products and now I reckon it's the second coming of DeFi coming again now and it's Web three and all, so all these different things are happening so there's, there's smart ways of trading and, and picking what you want I obviously stick with the main ones but with anything you want to put a certain amount of your portfolio into crypto not all of it you want to invest only what you can afford to lose that's what I what I tell people you also want to look at what your your superannuation you know whether you can put a tiny bit of your super into crypto because crypto's okay. Long term, absolutely. You, you're allowed to invest your you, super money. If you've got a self-managed super fund, yeah. you, can, you can do what you like with it and that's something that we offer through the app, Bamboo app as well. You can put your super in there as well. And that, again, suits this asset class because we're talking long term. You know, Bitcoin is still the best performing asset class of the last 10 years, you know, right. regardless of the volatility. And if you, like me, think that it is going to be here for the long haul, uh, then you would look at it for the next 10 years. And, of course, these days you're going to be really careful what you're saying, what we, what you and I are saying, um, because um, there has been a bit of a move. Um, With ASIC. Like, yeah, against <laughs> people on social mediums. Mm. And let's call this a social medium. And, by the way, we are not giving advice Absolutely here. not. Um, but but we might be prosecuting something we firmly believe in. Mm. We might be saying this is something we believe in, Yeah, you know, Something we've done and we've had success you in. Should be able to, you should be able to say it, but at mm. the same time people get influenced, unfortunately, a lot of people get influenced by what people mm. like you might say mm. and uh, go off and do it And but they don't know when to get out. They don't know exactly how to transact. They don't know how much to put in as a percentage. Mm. You say put a little bit, they go and put 20% of the total super and yeah. you might be only talking about 1% or 2%, 2% yeah. but it could be 2% of a million dollars, which is 20 grand yeah. as opposed to yeah. – um, you know, two percent of um, or thirty percent of a hundred thousand dollars. Without know, making a plan, you've yeah, always got to make a plan. There's got to be a plan. There's got to be a plan. There's got to be a plan, and then you go along to a planner, and the planner's got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing that's that's a little bit scary in this whole field is that if you do go to a planner and if you go to an accountant, they're too scared to talk about it. It's, mm. it's getting better. The last year, it's getting a lot better. But I remember. I went to my self-managed super fund guy a few years ago and I said to him, this was actually four years ago, I said to him, Sam, I want to invest in cattle in Albany where I'm from um, through my self-managed super. Can I do that? Um, He's like, oh, Trace, okay. I need to go and look into that. I know nothing about it. I rang him from Perth. He's in Sydney. He was very intrigued. He's like, I, I don't know. Let me go and find out more details for you. Because there's rules. Because there's rules. I want to find out some more details, know nothing about it. He came back, looked into it thoroughly, 
yes, Tracy can do it, spend a bit of time looking into it, no worries, This is, let's go ahead, this is how we do it. Same question about crypto at the time. No, hey, no, don't even want to look into that, you know. Has changed his mind since. But that was the attitude, you know, kind of back then and is still for some others. Um, and Sam now works with me and, and alongside me in crypto and he understands it a lot better. But that's just the mindset back then of crypto was like a, a no. Well, I, I'm not even going to look into that. But it shouldn't be no. It should be let me go and find out a little bit more about that. And is that why you do Crypto Curious and your podcast? Yes, because people do not understand. People need to go, hang on, let me just find out a little more. Let me let me go and let me go research that. Because I think the whole concept of Crypto Curious as a podcast is a good one. You've been doing it since late last year. How's it going? Like in terms of oh, we have so much fun. We've been surveying our listeners, so we know we're getting uh, mixed male and female. But funnily enough, we're getting a, a mix of people who already have dipped their toes in. So half half. Half the people know nothing, and our inbox is a judge. We're getting just real noob questions. People who really know nothing about it. Thanks so much. You know, you're clearing a lot up for us, but we get just so many random questions. So we're going to have to do a few more episodes explaining. But for the first format, it was more about us explaining what it was. And it was me thinking back to years ago when we didn't have any information out there. What did I want to know? So it was going back to basics, going, this is what a blockchain means. This is what Bitcoin is. This is what Ethereum is. This is what altcoins are. This is how it all weaves together. And then going through some of the jargon terms, how to invest if you want to invest, what are the safe things to look out for, what are the risks, what is a hard wallet, how do you store your crypto, like all of the really basic things because you obviously, Mark, you know a little bit about it, you know what you're doing, but this is going back to my next-door neighbour, Betty, who knows nothing about crypto, who wants to learn. So we've taken it right back to the basics. Um, we're changing the format up a little bit now because what we're hearing is people want to know a bit about what's happening in, in the crypto sphere each month. So we're doing a little bit more kind of news focused as well and then the interviews as well. How much of this was about trying to enhance the um, reputation of bamboo, which is your... Micro-savings app. Basically small amounts from everybody exactly. going, yep. getting in, put into a pool which then invests in a fund, uh, invests in crypto. In crypto, yeah. So it's just nice and easy, skin in the game. And that's for me was what it was like back in the day too. It was the easiest way to get in. So... Again, and, and it fits with the people who are crypto curious now because they don't want to go to an exchange and worry about how to log on and order books and buying different things. They just want to have some exposure. Yep. They want to get their foot in the door, have some skin in the game, and they want to do it easily without having to overthink it. And this is just this is micro savings. It's just, you know, connected it's, to your it's bank change. account. It's change. So every time you, you know, connect it to whichever bank account you want to do your roundups to, yep. you have a coffee. You go out for dinner. We only offer Bitcoin and Ethereum, only the top two, and we offer gold and silver as a hedge also. Okay, you, you, so, yeah, that's interesting. So you're buying gold and or silver. Um, and you can p- put your portfolio mix however you like. So when that when you get to that $50 mark of your roundups and you take it out, if your portfolio mix was, say, 75% Bitcoin, 25% gold, then it splits it to those. Is it physical gold or ETFs? Physical backed gold. F- physically backed gold. Which platform are you buying the gold from? You're buying Ainsley Perth Mint? Ainsley. Ainsley. Well, so it's, so you're buying the gold, which is, you know, like a, you buy a, a fraction of the gold yep, of an ounce of gold, yep, whatever the case correct. may be. Because I've actually, I'm a uh, early shareholder in a startup called Bullion FX, which is 
we issue tokens which are backed by gold, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's been very successful so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I quite I quite like the idea of digital currencies, be it a token or they're all just tokens. Mm-hmm. They're all nothing really, but they, let's call them a yeah. token because we always like to put some associate something physical around. <laughs> yeah. But I like the idea when they're backed by something. Yeah. By something real, mm-hmm. tangible. Yeah. And I'm, I, I do still think gold will stay as the global standard for a long time. I don't know why that, that is the case. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why, but it just seems to stick. It's psyche. It's it sticks. It's real. It's shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go and touch it if I want to. It looks good. It's rare. Which is why we wanted it to be backed by actual physical yeah. gold. And yeah, that's interesting. We really, it's that dollar cost averaging into the market. Yeah. You yeah. know, if I had done that for the last four years and said it's a time trade here, there, and everywhere, yeah, I'd yeah. be much and, better and off. And did nothing, just and kept just it. sit there, and that's the best way to do it. Oh, no. But unfortunately, so, our psychology is we should yeah, ourselves. When something bad happens, get yeah. out, like is what I did yeah, with um, exactly. Doge the other day. But um, that's it. Look, but, but it was definitely a thought to, you know, enhance um, Bamboo with the, with the podcast. But in saying that, when I was working for the Digital Fund uh, in 2018, um, myself and Ben, who's now one of the directors at Bamboo, we wanted to do a podcast then. You know, we even, you know, picked a name and went as far as to buying the gear and then the, the crypto market kind of fell away because even then there wasn't enough information out there for the general public, there just wasn't. And we were like, we need to do something. We need to get a podcast going. But it just didn't happen. And then when um, our CEO, we've got a really visionary CEO, Blake Cassidy, he's actually in the US right now getting ready for our US launch in the next month. He was on the Equity Mates um, podcast and we stayed good friends with them. So they were the ones that said to us, we need we need a crypto podcast. And we were like, we know. And they were like, all right, well, do you want to do it? So we jumped at the chance. Is there an NFT podcast? There's there's not an NFT podcast in Australia, but there's a couple. There's probably more than a couple now. There's probably so many in the US, but there's a lot of YouTube um, NFTs. So you, if you if you go on YouTube, there's a lot now, and there's a lot that's specific for different NFTs that you can buy. Like there's a really big gaming platform called Star Atlas, which is huge, and there's an NFT one just for that. But there's so much information on NFTs. It's probably it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. It's actually overwhelming. It is because there's NFTs in the art world, there's NFTs for gaming and then there's NFTs for music and the others. So it's really, there's different, you know, avenues. It's very structured, this whole NFT marketplace. In the interest of time, have you got any questions you want to ask me? Yes, I did. One one big one. And this this goes back to the business and where we are at this point in time. So, you know, we... we Which business, Bamboo? We bamboo, yeah. yeah, if I may. Yeah. So, because you've obviously you've done you've done this, and you, you know your career is massive, and you've spoken to so many different people, and we're at a point where we, you know, we did a raise late last year, you know, which has taken us through to launch in the US, which we do next month. Um, we'll do another capital raise later this year. You know, we're, we're at a point now where we're seeing massive growth, and we're at that point where we're growing so quickly. That we're we're having a few teething we're having a few teething problems you know personnel like, no personnel is perfect personnel is great you know we've got a great culture we've got a great team I think it's because we've all been together for so long but what do you see at this point in the business when you've got such rapid growth and you're growing so quickly in a startup well I, I'll have to be honest with you you've got to be careful you don't do exactly what you just did overthink it okay because <laughs> because I tell you why. When growth is there, you must take it. And if you just let it, I, I took the view that in, in, wizard, in the wizard business, just let it run its course. 
don't say, oh, I should have slowed down or pull back or spend more. Just just, just go with it. You've got, if you're raising money and you need to raise more money down the track, that's don't worry about what you're going to do down the track. Don't worry about what your runway – run. you got to know what your runway is, but don't worry about what your runway looks like if it's a two-year runway or what are we going to do in two years. You've got to worry about today. Mm. And if it's there to be taken off the table, something is to be taken off the table and there's real estate to be gained. I don't mean in a strict sense. I'm just using it as an – like um, – in a business sense, real estate or, or market share, probably a better way of putting it, then take it. Because one thing is for sure, when it turns, you can't change it. And it doesn't matter how much money is still got in the bank at that point, if the market growth changes and turns or slows right down, the extra money in the bank means nothing to you. So you've got to take it while it's there. So I wouldn't overthink it. I, mean, I, I don't because the moment you start looking for issues, you'll find them. Mm, mm. You'll definitely find problems. So, and I, I, I have made that mistake where I try to overthink it and try to overpredict what's going to happen. And what you tend to do is you become hamstrung. You sanction yourself around doing a whole lot of stuff, and you don't do it. And if I want to think about all things that go wrong in anything I do, I'll find a thousand possibilities, but I won't find one probable one. There are just um, most of them are just mere possibilities. And the moment you start trying to make something probable, which is more than fifty one percent chance of more than fifty percent chance of occurring, the event occurring, that's not really risk. Risk is about the probability of the event occurring multiplied by the gravity of the event occurring, and you never know either. So you can't actually assess risk when the market's running. So I just take the view when the market's running, go with it. Uh, you're in a startup. Shit can happen. Just yep. be prepared. The things can fall apart. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why you're in this. And you can't control the marketplace ever. It's one of those uncontrollables. Control what you can control, that's it. But don't let your thoughts or your overthinking make you miss out on what's being made available to you. It's manna from heaven. Yeah, good advice. Good to meet you, Tracy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast.